Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Arendale Bible Chapel online again. I'm in the auditorium where we would normally meet. That is sadly empty. Just a handful of people. You can literally count the number of people on one hand who are here in the room just helping me put this together today. But uh, hey, if we can't meet together, then we're doing the next best thing, being able to just connect in this way online. This does not at all replace uh, being together. There is nothing like the biblical mandate for you and I to gather together as followers of Jesus Christ, to fellowship in person, to worship in person. But uh, when we can't do that, uh, we're doing it in this way online. Something a little different today. I'm going to preach to you in just a moment from Matthew chapter 6. At the end of my message, though, you're going to hear some worship music. We've got some, some old hymns that I think are really going to encourage you and, and bless you. And I just encourage you, don't just listen to them, although you can, but sing along. And, and uh, if you're there at home with your, your family, your spouse, your kids, um, I'll come together and to sing these hymns. Or just on your own, just belt it out unto the Lord. Uh, worship Him in song. And uh, so if you're looking at the timestamp right now, it's, uh, the sermon is not quite that long. But I do have a message for you that I, I think is uh, timely, and I'm going to share it with you and just with the, again, the handful of people who are here in the room right now with me. I'm going to, uh, today I'm going to challenge you to not do something that, uh, well, it's, it's pretty hard not to do, but Jesus is the one who tells us uh, not to do it. I don't know if you ever noticed, but uh, there's lots of times we're called as Christians to, uh, to do things or to not do things that's anything but easy. I mean, just think of the command of, of Jesus when he says to love your enemies. That's not easy to do. Pray for those who, perse- who persecute you. Or uh, think about uh, forgiving people who've wronged you. Or um, leaving vengeance to God. I mean, none of these things are easy to do. In fact, our impulse is, is to do the opposite uh, of, these, of these things. But today's is, is, is just as difficult as any of those things are to do. The call today from Jesus, the command from Jesus, is do not worry. Do not worry. In fact, we're going to see in our passage, he says three times, do not worry be anxious. Now that is, that is not hard. That, that is hard not to do, to not uh, worry, to don't fret, to don't be troubled, to don't be panicked, don't be stressed, don't be overwhelmed. Do not worry. Let me ask you, are you a worrier? Well, if you are a worrier, you're not alone. There's lots of us who are, and some of us, you know, we we worry about uh, the future, what will happen, what may not happen, and what will unfold if it does or doesn't happen. What will somebody say? What will somebody not say? Uh, What will be the problems that we'll have to encounter? And and we, we worry about all kinds of things. Some of us, some of us worry that we worry too much. And so, I mean, it's, it's not an easy thing that we are, are wrestling with. Worry is actually a kind of fear. It's a kind of fear of the future where we are worried about, uh, concerned about the possibilities of what could happen uh, involving current issues or uh, potential problems that we'll, uh, that we'll encounter. And right now in this season, many are understandably worried, worried about 
getting sick, uh, anxious for loved ones. If you have aging parents, you probably have, you probably have uh, some battles with worry about them. You got people with compromised immunity. You got uh, maybe a loved one who's a healthcare worker, or you are a healthcare worker, and you're on the front lines uh, addressing this pandemic. Uh, as we speak, and that's, it's understandable that we would worry. Although I would suggest to you there's a difference between being concerned and being worried. We can be rightly concerned about uh, what's happening, but when we're worried, we're overcome, we're consumed, we're taken up with the fear of what might happen or what might not happen, the fear of the future. And uh, this is something that Jesus tells us in our passage today. He tells us what we're, we're not to do. And uh, of course, I mean, we're in the midst of a, a, a crisis right now in our context, but we don't need a pandemic to be worried, do we? We got all, I mean, before this whole thing came along, lots of you, and we, we had lots of things we were worried about as it is. So this is, this is not just a temporary issue. This is a life issue that we're going to address this morning. And uh, the, the real question is, what do you do with it? Okay, great. It's great. So don't worry. Thanks for that. Okay, I'll try to, I'll try to keep that in mind as I face down illness. Well, the real question is, how, not to, how do we not worry? Remember the song from the 90s, Don't Worry, Be Happy? Sorry, that doesn't work for me, okay? I'd be a lot happier if I wasn't worried. The issue is, is that we need help with this, don't we? What do you do with worry? How do you handle anxieties? Well, that's exactly what Jesus addresses. And if you are at all battling with worry in your life, or you know someone who is and care for someone who is, then this passage is for you. And it's in Matthew chapter 6. If you've got a Bible with you, I encourage you to turn there. Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we're going to read from verses 25 to 34. Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. And uh, this section here that we're going to study comes out of a, um, the, the context of it is it's a sermon. It's probably the most famous sermon ever preached. It's a sermon by Jesus. We call it the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus taught his listeners uh, all about living life for God as part of his kingdom. And he addressed all kinds of different issues in life. He addressed dealing with conflict, uh, issues pertaining to marriage, uh, stuff about our prayer lives. Uh, he addressed lust. He talked about being authentic and many other things, including, you got it, worry and anxiety. This is what Jesus says. I'm reading uh, from, again from Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. Now there's our command. Do not be anxious. In other words, do not worry. In fact, your translation might have those words. Do not worry. Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Verse 28 says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Well, I suppose the answer is because I need clothing. But Jesus says, why are you anxious about that? Notice what he says. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, like in antiquity, uh, like they would spin uh, uh, material to, to make clothing. They neither toil 
nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. In other words, unbelievers. That's, how, that's what unbelievers do with their lives. They, they worry about these things. They're consumed with these things. These things are most important. But Jesus says, that's, that, that's not you. For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But, so instead of worry, do this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, what are these things? Those are the things that we worry about that we're going to need. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus gives us here several reasons, several reasons not to worry. I've boiled them down or or summarized them with three reasons. Three reasons that Jesus tells us to not worry. The first is this. Jesus tells us to not worry because worry is a distraction. Worry is a distraction. It's a distraction from what God really wants you to do. It's a distraction from what he wants us to be focused on. It takes us away from our primary purpose in this life, which Jesus says in verse 33 is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, the most important thing for us to do is to live as God's people, as part of God's kingdom, and to, uh, to, to live submitted totally to his rule. And to seek his righteousness is means living submitted to his word. This is what I'm here for. I'm not here for me. I'm not here just to exist. Life is more than just survival. Jesus says life is all about God and, and his kingdom. That's what he wants us to focus on. But what happens when we get worried? What happens when we're anxious? Well, we're not focused on that, are we? We're focused on other things. We're focused on whatever worries us. Remember, uh, Jesus did not die uh, did, did not die for you just so you could just sort of go back to your old life. He died for you to set you apart unto him, to remove your sin from you, to call you into God's forever family, and so that you could live for him, set apart unto him. When you have Jesus, your past is forgiven. You got a purpose now in living and a home in heaven. You and I are called to not worry because of who it is we are and what we're called to. We're called to be kingdom people. But when we're worried, when we're anxious, when we're fearful of the future, we're distracted from God's priorities. Well, you know what it's like to be distracted. Some of you have been distracted in the last few minutes while I've been talking, right? Your phone went off, you checked your text messages, you notice some dust in the blinds that needs to be addressed. You know, you hear the kids doing something in the next room, got to go see. We all know all about distractions. Well, well, Jesus shows us here that the, the thing is, is that when we're worried, we're distracted from God's purpose for our life. That's what he says in verse 25. Have a look at that verse again. Verse 25. He says, I tell you not to be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He reminds us here that we exist for a far greater purpose than just to be clothed or fed. We exist for him, for God's purposes. 
In fact, you can have all the food and drink and clothes you could ever want and not be living for the purpose that God has called you. Perhaps there's things that you're worried about today that are consuming your attention. And if that's the case, you probably are finding that, hey, you know what, I'm not... I'm not totally mindful of the lost and perishing. Uh, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, 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 consumed with thinking about how I'm going to live for the Lord today. Instead, I'm distracted by other things. Listen, your life is about more than what food can sustain. Your body is for more than just being clothed. I mean, you need clothes, but just to be clothed is not the end game here. So now, now we, we can agree here that, okay, we hear Jesus say, listen, don't worry because it's a distraction. But of course, it still leaves us with this issue of what well, we still need these things, right? How do I not worry about things that I need? Well, that takes us to the second reason not to worry. The first one is Jesus tells us not to be worried because it's a distraction. Worry is a distraction. The second reason not to be worried is because it's not necessary, Worry is not necessary. You say, Ross, well, how is it not necessary? I need to eat. I need clothes. Yep, you certainly do, especially in Canada. You need clothes in Canada. How do you not worry about that? Well, you don't worry about it because of what Jesus says that God will do for us. I'll just direct your attention to verse 31, especially. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. What's Jesus saying here about where your needs are going to be met? Who's going to meet your needs? God's going to meet your needs. He knows all about what you need. Worry is unnecessary because Jesus gives us the assurance here of God's provision for us to do what it is that he wants us to do. Now, I want to note very carefully, as I talk about worry not being necessary, I don't want to mislead you or confuse you in any way. Let me just clarify three things. First of all, this is not a promise that you'll have everything you want, right? Says your heavenly father, I mean, he knows what you want, right? But the, Jesus says, he's talking about needs here. He knows what you need. And I think we'll agree, sometimes there's a difference between what we need and what we need, right? Sometimes we think we need certain things that we don't actually need. So, so there's, it's, it's not a, a promise that God's going to give you everything you want, although Many of us have experienced God is lavish in goodness to us. James tells us every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. So, I mean, God is lavish and generous, and many of us have more than we need, and we ought to be more grateful than we are. But it's not a promise that you'll have everything you want. It's not a promise that you'll have everything that you think you need. I come to think I need things often by looking at what other people have. I went to the auto show not too long ago here in Toronto, and... uh, you know what, then before I left home, I, ha- I was fairly content with the vehicles I had in my driveway. And by the time I came home from the auto show, boy, I had to really work at still being content with the vehicles I got in my driveway. And, uh, or when I see my neighbor pull up in a new vehicle, I'm like, oh, that's, I, could, I, could, I would look really good in that vehicle. And, uh, but you know what, it's not, that's not what I need. Um, this is not a promise that God's going to give everything you want or what you think you need. It's, a, it's an assurance that God's going to give you what you actually need in order to do what he wants you to do. Because remember, it's all about living for the kingdom. In fact, right before this passage, Jesus made a real clear point back in verse 24, just before we started reading, about you and I having to decide who it is we're going to live for. Because we can't have more than one master. So if we're going to live for God, we're going to live on for his purposes. And he will give us 
what we need to fulfill his purposes for our lives. That, that frames it differently, doesn't it? Jesus says, you don't need to worry because worry is not necessary. It's not necessary because God will supply for you what you need. I just think of an example like, like John the Baptist. You've read about John the Baptist, perhaps, in the New Testament. He was the one who really introduced Jesus to the world. And you can read about him, for example, in Matthew chapter 3. You read about his ministry. And you find that, I mean, Jesus here is talking about clothing well, and food. Well, you, get a, you read there about John the Baptist. How was he clothed? Some of you know. He wasn't, he wasn't styling, right? He wasn't wearing Gucci or Armani or whatever it is that's cool to wear. I have no idea. But he, he was, what was he wearing? He was, he was wearing simple, basic clothing. And he had enough clothing on him to do what God wanted him to do. And what did he eat? Well, he, he wasn't eating at the Mandarin. I love the Mandarin. But he wasn't eating there. He was eating locusts and wild honey. Did he have what he needed to do what God wanted him to do? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Have you ever heard of a servant of the Lord who did not have what they needed to do what God wanted them to do? It's not a guarantee we won't at times lack things that we think we need or would want. But it is an assurance that you don't need to worry. God's going to supply for you to do what he wants you to do. I love how Paul puts it in Philippians 4. He says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. The call here is uh, to recognize that the source of, of my supply for my needs is God. And so really there's an implicit challenge here to look to him. There's an explicit challenge here, I think, to trust him, to count on him for the clothes that you need, for the money for medicine, for a job, for comfort, for peace, for hope, for strength to endure hardship, for patience to endure a trial, for wisdom, for insight that you need, to look to God for all that you need. I mean, Jesus is talking about food and clothing here, but you can apply this broadly in terms of what are the things that I need to live for the Lord today. Jesus tells us, you don't need to worry about it. You don't, worry is distracting and it's not necessary because God's going to supply you. I've got to share this with you. I know lots of you have told you the story before, but I can't, can't help but think of it as I'm preaching this message. A friend of mine, when he was just first became a Christian, just sort of, just sort of beginning to make that decision to follow Jesus, and uh, he didn't tell us, we didn't know but he had no food, and he was hard up for money, and he had no food, and uh, he went to bed one, one night, just before he went to bed, he stood there, he said he stood there with his fridge door open, and it was empty, and he said, God, I need food. In fact, he may have said, I can't remember for sure, I think he said something like, uh, God, if you're really real, I need food. Anyway, he prayed a prayer to God, I don't got anything to eat, and I need something to eat. Went to bed, got up in the morning, showered, shaved, did his morning thing, came out into the kitchen, opens the fridge, it's still empty. There's no food there. A few moments later, a knock comes at the door. And it was the next door neighbor. And the next door neighbor had a, a big roasting pan. And they had roasted an entire ham. And uh, I don't know what had happened. They got called away or something like that. But they came over and said, we've roasted this ham. We've got to leave town. Uh, it's all ready to go here. Could you use this ham? Well, he said, yes, I can. And he took the ham and he came in and he was broken over the awesomeness of God who supplies. God supplied his needs, supplied food. Now, look, that's not always how God works. Those are pretty special circumstances. And, and God can work that way. Maybe he'll work that way for you. In a, maybe it's food or clothing or a job or peace or help that you need. Uh, God does work in awesome, amazing, amazing ways. The assurance here, though, that we have is you don't need to worry Jesus says it's, it's not necessary. 
He tells us, don't worry because it's a distraction. Don't worry because it's not necessary. And now the third reason we're to not worry is because of this. Worry is not helpful. It's not helpful. Look what Jesus says in verse 27. He says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? I love that line. Well, I mean, I hate it in some ways because it's convicting, but I, I really love it because Jesus is pointing out something here. There's some common sense here. But there's also godly wisdom. Worry doesn't work. It doesn't help us. It doesn't, it doesn't make our life any longer. In the context, he's thinking of people who need the basic necessities to get through to the next day. But Jesus says, does worrying help you get through to the next day? No, not, not really, does it? In fact, if you think about it, like, have you ever heard the testimony of somebody, say, somebody who says, I was so glad I was worried. Oh, man, I'm so glad I was worried. Or have you ever heard somebody say, you know, I just thank God for all the people in my life who helped me panic. Have you ever heard, ever heard that testimony? I've, I've never heard that, that testimony. Or, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we all recognize that oftentimes, um, oftentimes worry, in fact, not only does it not help, it actually oftentimes makes it worse. If you want for you worry warts out there, you really want to make yourself worry about worrying, just Google uh, um, uh, physical effects of worry. Just Google that. And you'll find all kinds of websites and, and uh, uh, accounts and uh, analysis of the negative impact that worry has on your physical health and your mental health. Even think of the fitness. You know, Jillian Michaels, you know, Jillian, the, the, the American uh, fitness person, she says, you know, if, if you want to, an important part of your fitness is you're going to have to deal with stress. You've got to get it under control. Well, that's great, Jillian. That's a good point. How am I going to do that? Well, I got to look to the Lord, don't I? And recognize that this is distracting. It's unnecessary because God's given me assurances here. He'll supply for my need. And it's not helpful. It just, it just doesn't help. Notice verse 34, what Jesus says. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Notice what he says. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, when we're worrying about the future, about what tomorrow is going to hold, um, uh, we, we, are, we are trying to deal with tomorrow's problems in the midst of today's problems. We're doubling up our trouble. Do you know that God has for you, he has for you daily help. Lamentations calls it mercy. Listen to Lamentations 3, 22 to 23, written by Jeremiah in an unspeakable crisis. This is what he says about God. He says, his mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. So God has mercy for you. God has help for you every morning. Every new day, when you woke up this morning, God has for you in his own way, he has for you help for today. He's got mercy for you. Now, when we're worried about tomorrow, about what's to come, we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to deal with tomorrow's troubles with the mercy or the help that God's given us to deal with today's troubles. You see, we're bringing tomorrow's troubles in today, trying to take today's mercy into tomorrow. And Jesus is showing us here, that's a fool's errand. It's just going to make it worse. In fact, really, if you think about it, you're, you're doubling it up. You, you either get there and you find I didn't need to worry, or you're double trouble. You still got to deal with it and you were torn up about it today. God has mercy for you. He's got help for you today. I love Corey Tenboom, who saw much trouble in her, of, in her own life. She was a Holocaust survivor. 
And she said this. She said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. Love that. Let me read it again. Worry does not empty uh, tomorrow. Uh, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of strength. Worry is not helpful. That's what Jesus tells us. So we've seen three reasons here that Jesus gives us not to worry. It's a distraction, a distraction from God's purposes for us. It's not necessary because there's an assurance here that God knows what you need. He's your father. He's your father. He said, Can, look at the birds. Do the birds, are they, are they stressed out? Have you seen a stressed out bird? You haven't, you haven't seen a bird going to the doctor saying, Doc, I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. And if you need to go to the doctor, that's okay. That's, you go and get that help. Because there's supports all around you. But birds aren't overwhelmed with anxiety. They just get up in the morning and they go dig up the worm that God supplies and they've got what they need. So, so it's a distraction from our purpose. It's not necessary. God will provide. It's not helpful. In fact, it makes things worse. Jesus gives us multiple reasons to not worry. Leaves the question, how then do we fight worry? How do we allay anxieties? How do we not fret well, I think what we see here is at least a couple of uh, a two, a two parts to the answer to that question. I mean, uh, there's, there's first of all, recognizing the cause of worry, and then secondly, going to God for the cure for worry. Recognizing its cause, going to God for its cure. What is the cause of our worry? What's at the root of it? Well, Jesus tells us in verse 30. Notice what he says there, verse 30. If God so clothes the grass of the field, remember he was talking about the lilies, and some of you, are, you love flowers, aren't they beautiful, the flowers, they're especially beautiful in the grocery store right now, things are so dreary, and we're, kinda, we're all kind of down, and all kind of getting by, I just love when I have to get out to the grocery store to see the flowers there, and they're so, so beautiful, and the color is there, and just reminds me that spring is coming, and, and uh, God is awesome, and power, and design, Jesus says, look at those lilies, aren't they beautiful? Aren't they wonderfully clothed? And he says, yet I tell you, Solomon, he says, Solomon in all his glory, verse 29, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. In other words, these lilies don't last forever, right? You can enjoy them today. In December, they, they're, they're, they're going to be in the compost. You enjoy them today, but they're gone tomorrow. They are temporal. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? There's the root of our anxiety. It's not a personality issue. It's a faith issue. It's a, tr it's a trust issue. Trust in God, O you of little faith. Now that can be devastating all on its own because you start to worry, <gasps> my faith isn't sufficient. No, that's not the road we're going down here. But Jesus is, he's giving us a diagnosis of the issue, right? I heard somebody illustrate it this way. I thought this was really helpful. To see that, that, that faith is the issue is sort of like if you go to your physician and there's a problem you're dealing with and they give you the diagnosis. The diagnosis is bad news. But the good part of it is they know what it is and they know how to treat it now, how to respond to it. You know what you need to do now moving forward in light of knowing what it is. That's what's happening here. Jesus points out here, he says, oh, you of little faith, the root of our worry is unbelief. So how are we going to address that? Well, we're not going to address it by just trying harder and doing better. That's not how you increase faith. 
How do you increase faith? You increase faith by looking to God. Your faith comes from Him. So we start by recognizing the root cause here. The root cause of worry is unbelief. It's a faith issue. Oh, you have little faith, Jesus says. What we do, though, is we go to God for its cure. In particular, we, we turn to God's Word. What I think that Jesus does here is, first of all, I mean, he gives us quite clearly, firstly, reasons not to worry. And there's several here in this text. I've just summarized them into three. But there's several reasons here not to worry. But Jesus shows us something else. He gives us facts that are intended to affect our feelings. Worry is an emotion. It's something we feel. What does Jesus do to address what we feel, to address our emotions? He speaks the truth to us. He speaks his word to us. He speaks reality to us. This, I think, for you and I, is a wonderful clue about how we really actually address worry in our lives. I recognize, firstly, it's an issue of faith, of trusting in God. And then I go to God for the cure, because only God can help me with my faith. And what does God do? What does God do to help us with how we feel, with, to help us with our faith? He speaks words to us. He speaks truth to us. See, the truth, God's word, fuels our faith. We grow in our confidence in God as we hear from God and believe what God says. That fuels, that fuels our faith. Uh, uh, Jesus, I think, shows us here, by hearing God's word and applying it to our fears, our fears about the future, that's how we're going to begin to experience daily victory over worry. So, Ross, how do you do that? What, what do I do? I'm going to give you, I'm going to leave you with four pastoral exhortations, four steps that you can take to address worry in your life. Uh, number one, get a verse. Get a verse. Get a Bible verse. Get a, get a portion of Scripture. A portion of scripture that addresses your anxiety, your worry. So, for example, if it's a, a specific practical need that I have, Lord, I, I need this. Hey, maybe there's, there's always a little bit of want in there, right? But I, I need this, Lord. You know what I need. Uh, I might go to a passage like this one we just read. I just read this through again and be reminded of God's goodness. If God can feed the birds and clothe the lilies, then God can take care of me. Right? If the, the, if the creator is faithful to the creature, how much more is the father going to be faithful to me? This is what I do. I read this passage and think it through. That's, that's the second step, is I'm going to get a verse. And the second step is I'm going to, I'm going to internalize it. I'm going to think about it. Ponder it. You might say meditate upon it. Think through what it is that God says. And then I'm going to pray about it. Lord, help me to trust you. This doesn't come easily to me. I quite naturally flip into worry mode. Are you like that? Just flip into worry mode? You're not alone. It's okay. There's a big club and we're, lots of us are part of it. But in dealing with it, I get a verse, I internalize that verse, and I talk to God about it. And then, and then I rest in the gospel. I'll circle back to that in a moment. Let me just practice this with you a little more, okay? So I'm going to get a verse, I'm going to internalize a verse, and I'm going to talk to God about it, and then you're resting the gospel. I'll come back to that in a moment. Let's, let's say that you're anxious about, about sickness. That's, that's something that's very understandable to be anxious about. You getting sick, somebody you care about getting sick. I need a verse. Lots of verses you could go to. I have no verses that promise you you won't get sick. 
I do not believe we have a promise like that in the Bible. God does not promise that you will not fall ill. But God does promise that he'll care for you and that he will help you. And I was thinking, need a verse. Where's a verse where anybody come up with a passage scripture that would talk about God helping me? <gasps> I know there was a sermon I heard last week online from Psalm 121 at Erndale Bible Chapel. Right. I lift my eyes up to the hills, Psalm 121. From where does my help come? If something happens, if it all comes unraveled in my, in my household, how am I going to make it? How will I deal with that? I'm going to look to my helper. God is going to help me. He may indeed protect me and preserve me. He often does that. But even if in his wisdom, he determines that it's what's best for his glory and for my greater joy that I go through that valley, he will help me. And so I'll, I'll think, see, I'm thinking that through. I'm reading that psalm through. Where's my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. He doesn't go to sleep on me. He won't, he, he won't take his eye off me. His care for me is constant. I'll think that through. And then I'll say, Lord, help me to trust you to do this. Lord, you are my helper. I look to so many other things for help, but I'm so slow to look to you, Lord. I look to you for my help. Help me to trust you. See, I talk about it with the Lord. I get a verse, I internalize it, I talk to God about it. Let me just try a couple more, real quick, okay? Um, uh, what about, what about um, uh, uh, dealing with, uh, maybe you got a big decision to make. You know, some of you maybe own businesses, or you're in a position where you're not sure how you should respond these days. How about, uh, how about a verse like Psalm 32, verse 8? God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you think that verse through. God assures us here of his counsel, of his help, of his guidance. And I'll talk to him, Lord, Lord, help me to trust you to do that, Lord. You, I pray that you would help me to lean on you for guidance. Or maybe I'm, maybe I'm worried about how am I going to handle self-isolation? How am I going to handle being alone? Well, I think of a verse like Matthew 28, 20, where Jesus says, I am with you always, even when you're self-isolating. That's not in the verse, but that's an application of it. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Lord, you tell me you're with me. Lord, help me to know that you're with me. I need you for that, to trust in you and to not be worried about how I'm going to make it through, how I'm going to handle this. So you see what I mean? Get a verse, internalize a verse, talk to God about it. Now, you may have a worry that you're just like, you didn't name my worry. You're yelling at the screen. What about my issue? I can't, I can't think of all your worries. I'd worry myself to death, worrying about coming up with all your worries. But we'll say this. If you are struggling to find a text, find another believer. Maybe text message them, email them, give them a call. Say, you know what? I need a verse. Do you got a verse that would speak to this issue? Or maybe it's for somebody you care about. You're like, they need a verse and I want to give them one. Or here's another thing. I'll just throw this out there. You can email me. Ross at Arendale.org. That's R-O-S-S at Arendale, E-R-I-N-D-A-L-E dot org. You can email me and say, Ross, I need a verse. And uh, you got to tell me <laughs> something about what the issue is. And I will, I will, I'll try to find a verse for you. I'd love to do that. So you can take that verse and you can think it through and then talk to God about it. Get a verse, internalize a verse, talk to God about it. And then the fourth thing, remember I said I'd circle back to this, is rest in the gospel. Loved one, your standing with God does not depend on uh, your performance. Success in God's eyes for you is not how you perform under pressure. Your standing before him is based on his grace alone. And really, when you want to talk about uh, a not worrying, 
Jesus, through the cross, has dealt with the greatest worry of all. The single biggest worry we ought to have is how can I, a sinner, ever stand before a holy God? That's the big worry because that's an eternal worry. Jesus has dealt with that. He dealt with that by dying on the cross for your sins. He, he paid the penalty for your sin when he died for you. And he arose from the dead. We're coming up to Easter. Believe it or not, it's coming soon. When we, remind, we remember this, that Jesus died for my sin to remove the penalty. He arose. He's a living Savior. He reigns on high. And when we trust in him, we have those sins forgiven. And we have a righteous standing before a holy God. That, that is grounds for freedom from anxiety when we have real eternal peace with God. Remember that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's the one, God is the one who comes to us in our weakness. So don't be worried about worry. Look to God. He's the rescuer here. This, this sermon, the conclusion of the sermon isn't go fix yourself. If that's what you're hearing, either I ain't preaching it straight or you're not hearing it straight. What we're saying is go to God. He's the one with the cure for worry. He's the hero of your life story. He's the one that will bring to you peace. He's the one that's going to work in your heart. God is good all the time. And he'll give you victory over worry as you trust in him. And keep on trusting in him. And he'll see you through. So loved ones, I want to challenge you to do it. Will, will you do it? Will you identify that worry in your life? Will you get a verse for it? Will you do that? Like get a verse. Get it today. Email me. Contact another Christian. Uh, begin reading in your Bible. Maybe in the back of your Bible you have a concordance uh, with words from your Bible that will maybe direct you to a verse. Get a verse. Internalize a verse. Think it through. What is the Lord saying to me here? And then when you've internalized it, talk to him. Lord, give me faith to trust you. And then rest in the gospel. Because loved ones, in the end, it's all going to be okay. Let me pray for you. Lord, as we think about worry, Lord, there's lots of us who struggle with this. It's so much, you know what we're made of, Lord. You know it is so difficult for us to not do this, but we look to you. We, we hear you, Lord Jesus, speaking truth to us and recognize our, the, the, the cure, that the cure for our problem is not from us or our own resources. It comes from you. Lord, will you give to all the loved ones who are hearing me or watching this right now, would you give to them a verse, a word from you, Open their eyes to see the glories that are there, the promises that are there. And help them, Lord, as they talk to you, renew their faith in you, renew their confidence in you. And as they do, so we pray that they would experience your great daily peace and victory over anxiety. Lord, we love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before you go anywhere, I want you to just hang on here for just a few more minutes. We're going to just sing some songs of worship together. You're going to hear three hymns, and I'd encourage you again, sing along with these hymns. You know, a great way that I find of, of ministering peace to my heart is singing the truths of the gospel. That's what we're going to do right now. God bless you. assurance Jesus is mine and oh what a foretaste of glory divine heir of salvation 
precious of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood.
Seal it, seal it for thy course above. 